is God didn't put that spring harvest festival in the Bible just because it's about a spring harvest because it's really about a harvest of people so the feast of Pentecost or the feast of weeks it's in the Old Testament it's about the harvest that God provides but in the New Testament we realize in its fulfillment it's about God's work in the lives of people it's about something more than just the feast The feasts of the Bible all held great significance to the Israelites. Each one shared a different message and focused God's people on His blessings toward them. When Jesus came, He fulfilled the messages of the feasts. Today, Pastor Daniel examines specifically the Feast of Weeks, sharing how much more it is than a celebration of harvest. It's also a harvest of people, a celebration of God's connection with all mankind. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Acts, chapter 2, with part one of his message, Empowered and Equipped. I don't know about you, but there are times when you have an experience where you just don't really feel like you're equipped to get the job done. You ever have that experience? Like where you go and you take a step of faith, you go to do something, and you just kind of sense... I'm not really prepared to do this thing that I'm doing. This happened to me just yesterday, you know, because we have this crazy hot weather and I made the brilliant decision that I was going to go plant shrubs in my yard yesterday. (laughs) And it was funny because it was like, it was kind of like on the calendar that I needed to get some stuff in the yard done. And so sure enough, I look at the weather report and it's like going to be like 90 something degrees and And I think to myself, oh, man, this isn't smart at all. And Lynn's like, don't do it. This doesn't make any sense. But I'm all Italian, so it means I'm stubborn as all get out, you know. And so I just get on out there, and it's hot. And, like, I went to the nursery, and I bought all these flowers and shrubs and everything. And then I started planting them, and it was just bad. It was, like, I did it in shifts. Like, I did, like, a morning shift and, like, an afternoon shift and an evening shift. And, like, in the middle of it, I'm literally thinking to myself, I'm like... I am not equipped to be doing this right now. Like, it's like, I'm all Italian, so I don't really get sunburned, but I actually got a sunburn. You know, normally I get a sunburn for like 12 hours and it turns like golden brown, but this one like still stayed. It's like, I'm like a little lobster, you know? It's no, it's no fun, but it got me thinking about like, you know, I always say, Lord, will you help me to live my messages? You know, that's one of my prayers. It's like, I don't just want to, like, I don't just want to, like, open up the Bible and teach you from my brain. It's like, I'm like, Lord, I want to live this. And so in thinking about the idea of our need to be equipped and empowered to live, I learned very, very radically yesterday what it's like to try and do something when you're actually not equipped and empowered to do it, which is me planting shrubs on a 100-degree day. But don't you feel like that sometimes? Like, where you look at your life and you're like, there's absolutely no way that I can get this thing done. Now, let me tell you this first. I believe that God wants us to live beyond what feels comfortable for us. And I think most of us struggle and we get angry and we get frustrated because God actually loves you so much he wants you to walk by faith and not by sight. 
But I think a lot of you right now, you've actually lowered your life down to what you feel like you can handle. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that's a sin. Because what you're saying is, I can only experience what is within the boundaries of what I want. And I believe God wants us to live outside of the boundaries of what we would normally choose, because that's where all the growth happens. That's where, that's where God does extraordinary things. I mean, like, Peter never walked on the water ever in his life, except that one time where he decided he was going to step out and do something he'd never done before, because Jesus was inviting him, right? But... With that being said, I think for a lot of us, we're only going to get at the things that we feel ready to do. And what I'm here to tell you is that in our Bibles, it, our Bibles doesn't, it doesn't champion a safe life. Our Bibles champion a spirit-filled life, which is a life of uncommon, unique experiences. So as we've been like doing this, this field note series, and I'm just absolutely adoring this series, Pastor Bill preached the lights out last week. It's not the first time he's done that either, you know? But I started thinking about this series, and it dawned on me that if I don't do a message on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the field note series, then I'm a lousy pastor. That's what I realized. Because the Holy Spirit, his job is to equip and empower us to be the people of God. So talk about vital information for your journey of faith without the discussion of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But this is what I need to tell you. There's not a more controversial subject in the body of Christ than the person and work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, this is a battleground in this day and age. I mean, we just had it this week. I do these two-minute messages on Facebook on Monday to Friday, and I did one on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it was so disconcerting to my heart. Like, we had to ban people off my Facebook page. Because, like, in the name of the Spirit of God are so angry about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I thought to myself, I'm like, Lord, this is crazy. I'm like, Lord, it's like the fact that people are rabidly angry about the Holy Spirit in the name of the Holy Spirit, is the most amazing thing, especially since the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and patience and self-control. But what I realized, because I started praying about it, it was, like, it was grieving my heart. And I said, Lord, I don't understand this. And then the Lord spoke to me. It was beautiful. And the Lord, the Lord said, Daniel... The last thing that Satan wants is for my people to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's like, so it makes total sense that this is a battleground because this is absolutely important. And then I started thinking, and in my own heart, I started unpacking. What I realized is that for most people, and us included, for most people, your understanding of the Holy Spirit is actually, it's given to you by church, Church gives it. You get socialized into a view of the Holy Spirit, right? And really what you have is you end up having these two opposing views of the Holy Spirit. On one side, you have a, a group of people who they believe in the Holy Spirit. They believe in the gifts of the Spirit, right? And they really don't want the Bible. They just want the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's almost like 
you know, and I've actually, I just heard somebody and they just, I was shocked. He just said, you know, we need to stop with the Bible because the Bible is hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, um, no. You know, I'm like, the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible for a good reason. So you have it, it's experience driven and you take the Bible, you throw it out the window. So you have one side and you can call that almost like the hyper charismatic movement. I don't think it's real charismatic because the spirit is the charisma. He gives those gifts. And so, but when you get outside of scripture, you realize that that's a problem. But then what you have is, then you have on, that's one polar end, right? And then on the other polar end, you have the reaction to that polar end. And this side has been popularized today by a pastor who I've learned so much from over the years and continue to, Pastor John MacArthur, where because of the excesses on one end, now you have a reaction to this way out there stuff, and it's like, well, no, 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 you know, like, we don't really like the Holy Spirit. So in one end, it's all experience, and the other end, it's just the Bible. But here's what I want to tell you. If you grew up in one of those two churches, you have a whole socialization in the Spirit on both ends. But my thing is, I don't really care what the church teaches. What does the Bible teach? That's the key. And what I will tell you is that my Bible teaches that God has given us his word for a reason, and we need his word, because if we didn't need it, he wouldn't have given it to us. So we want to have a theology of the Holy Spirit. Pneumology would be the way you would call it in systematic theology. We want a doctrine of the Holy Spirit that is deeply biblical. But the Bible is all about people in real time experiencing the person of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. So we can't even pretend for one second that true biblical spirituality is divorced from experience. God is real, and God wants us to experience him. We're not going to fall off one side of this horse or the other. We're going to take both sides, and we're going to marry him right in the middle, because I believe that's what the Bible teaches. Does that make sense? We need a biblical theology. I don't want a reaction theology to either side. I want a biblical theology. Like, you know, and some people say, well, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit in the gifts was for a specific dispensation of the apostolic age. I'm always like, well, find me that in the Bible. Where does it say that? But what happens is people react. But listen, I always will say it, reactionary theology is bad theology. Biblical theology is theology. Does that make sense? So that's the first thing. Now, because I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to share one other thing as a preliminary remark, and that's this. No person baptizes you in the Holy Spirit except the Spirit himself. Now, I think this is super important because what happens is, is that people get all like worked up. Oh, so-and-so, they pray for you in the bath. No, 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 listen. The Spirit does his job really, really well. And don't get me wrong. The Spirit might use people as the person who prays, but you have to realize, if you understand your Bible, no person does anything that is truly spiritual. The Spirit of God does it and he uses a person. If you pray for someone and they get healed, you don't have a healing ministry. The Spirit of God healed somebody because he wanted to, and he can use anybody. Because this is important, because what happens is, is all of a sudden, somebody becomes like, man, you fly him in, and they put like oil all over the pews and everything, you slide right off that thing, you know? And that guy shows up, and they're praying, everyone's going to receive the Holy Spirit. No, no, listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't need a dude or a lady to do it. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how he does it. Does that make sense? And I wanted to put that stuff out there right up front. And the reason I wanted to put it out there up front is because it's so easy for people to get misguided on these things because we're not thinking in our Bible. So I want to do a whole message here on personal work of the Holy Spirit. In order to do this, we're going to look at the Bible. Does that sound good? 
All right, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. I'm gonna be taking verses one to four, and I'm actually gonna be moving us to a couple other places in the scriptures as well. If you're new to the Bible, I wanna get you to Acts chapter two. Just pull that Bible out. The first two thirds of your Bible is what we call the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi. This is everything that went on before Jesus shows up. After that, the last third of your Bible is what we call the New Testament. It's the Jesus story and the story that goes on. Now, the book of Acts is the fifth book in your New Testament. You have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the fifth book is the book of Acts. Commonly, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. If it was me, I would have called it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. But it doesn't matter, right? Chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Look what it says. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come... They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we begin in verse one. It says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, I want to start with this reality that you need to let the spirit have you. Now, I actually steal that from Pastor Bill Ritchie, our founding pastor, because I'll never forget it. One day he said, it's not a question if we have the spirit. The question is, does the spirit have us? And I thought that that was, I'm like, wow, that is so powerful. Because if you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in you. But you got to ask yourself, why do some people have all these amazing experiences with God using us, and why am I just trying to figure out how to get out of my own way? And it's not a question, do we have the Spirit? The question is, is does the Spirit of God have us? Have we submitted ourselves to the person and work of the Holy Spirit right where we are? Are we allowing the Spirit of God to do what he wants to do in us? And are we rebellious or stiff-necked against the work of the Holy Spirit? Or have we surrendered and said, God, I just want you to do what you want to do in and through my life? And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what's going on here in the book of Acts. Jesus just died and rose again. And Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he said, in being assembled together with them, Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they're at this point where they believed in Jesus, they've been following Jesus, but now Jesus said, listen, like, I'm going to do a work. The promise is coming. And the question is for us is, does the Spirit of God have us? Are we submitted to the work of the Spirit in our own lives? Are we open and available to the work of the Spirit? Now, it's interesting because it begins with when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So this miracle of the the baptism and the pouring out of the Spirit and the very first time for the early church right? This happens on the day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost was, you can read about it all through your Bible, Leviticus 23, Deuteronomy 16, a number of places. It was also called the Feast of Weeks because seven weeks after the end of Passover, the next day was the day of Pentecost, or Pentecost 50 days. That's the idea of it. So it was the spring festival, and its function was to be a 
harvest festival. The spring harvest, when everything blossomed and everything, and they had their first harvest, they would celebrate that. It was called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. But you notice it says when the day of Pentecost had what? Had fully come? See, what you realize is God didn't put that spring harvest festival in the Bible just because it's about a spring harvest, because it's really about a harvest of people. So the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, it's in the Old Testament, it's about the harvest that God provides. But in the New Testament, we realize in its fulfillment, it's about God's work in the lives of people. It's about something more than just the feast. So when that thing had truly come, notice it says, and they were all with one accord and in one place. And don't miss that. I think one of the reasons we don't see the spirit work in all the ways that he wants to is because there's a lack of unity. The early church, they were all together in one place, in one accord. And the work of the spirit is to bring people together. You got to remember this, that pride divides and grace brings together. Pride divides and humility brings together. Satan loves to divide people. Divide you from God, divide you from other people. And you have to realize that in each one of your lives, there is a full-on onslaught to divide you from other people. And the best thing that the enemy can do in the people of God is to get us divided, which is why this doctrine of the Holy Spirit is such a divisive issue. Because if the people of God can't agree and fight about the work of the Holy Spirit, then there's disunity which will be a lack of maturity, which will show the world that Jesus isn't real. That's why this is so important. That's why Satan, he wants the body of Christ to fight about the work of the Holy Spirit because he wants to keep us divided because a divided church does not look like Jesus is real. And so I love this. The the apostles are in one place under one accord. My friends, what do you have to do to be in one accord with the people in your family, in your marriages, in your homes, in our church? What do you have to do? It's always a question of coming to Jesus and allowing Jesus to humble us because division happens so easy, doesn't it? It happens so easy. But when you let the Spirit of God have you, he will humble you so that you will not be divisive, but you will be be coming together with other people. Unity is important. Not unity at all costs, obviously. But when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together. Now, look what it says in verses 2, 3, and 4. It says, and suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. My friends, we need to let the spirit work outward. We need to let the spirit work outward because you notice in verses two, three, and four, we have these three manifestations, outward appearances of the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse two, we have the idea of wind. In verse three, we have the idea of fire. And then in verse four, we have the idea of speech. All outward manifestations of the work of the Holy Spirit. We have wind, 
fire, and speech. Now, all three of these have very rich biblical understandings. I mean, you have this idea first of wind, right? The Hebrew word for spirit in your Old Testament is the Hebrew word ruach, which literally means breath or wind or spirit. That's what the word actually means. And so you have every single example. I mean, I could do this all day, but I won't because we actually want to make it to lunch at some point. But you have this idea, like, think about when God created Adam out of the dust of the ground, he breathed in him the breath of life. Same word. Does that make sense? You have things like in Ezekiel's vision of the valley of the dry bones. He, the breath went into them and they were made alive again. And Jesus picks this up in John chapter three and says, just as the wind blows where it wishes and you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going to, so is everyone who is born of the spirit, right? So this idea of wind or breath. In this case, this room that they're in, all of a sudden there's this sound from heaven, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So you have this idea of wind. Now in verse three, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat of each one of them. Now obviously fire has a rich biblical history, speaking of the presence of God. You think of Moses at the burning bush. Remember that one? Where the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. Obviously a picture of the presence of God. You think of the children of Israel being led by the pillar of fire by night as they wandered through the wilderness. The idea of the refiner's fire. Now, what's really fascinating is that you all realize that our Bibles, there's some books between the Old and the New Testament. Scholars will call them intertestamental books. They're the books between the Old and the New Testament. There's a number of those books, not inspired texts, but they are very fascinating. And in one of those books, in First Enoch, it actually depicts that God's heavenly court is surrounded by tongues of fire. So for a Jewish person, when they would read this, they'd be like, whoa, these guys having these divided tongues of fire lighting on them, that's a symbol of God's heavenly throne room. Wow. So you have this idea of of fire. And then in verse four, you have this idea of speech, right? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, of course, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon people and there would be these utterances, these prophetic utterances, things like Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10, Eldad and Medad in Numbers 11. Remember those guys? They weren't with the people who got filled with the Spirit. They are off in the camp, but it happened to them too. But now here you have this gift of tongues. Now, what's interesting is if you read the rest of Acts chapter 2, you find that these tongues that they were given, all these people gathered together and all the apostles are speaking in tongues and everybody's hearing them in their own heart language. Now, again, people will argue, well, no, no, tongues is actually a legitimate language that other people are hearing. Or people say, no, no, tongues is the language of the spirit, right? A heavenly language and people fight about that. And you know what the beauty is? We don't really know the answer to it. You don't know if in Acts 2 they were speaking in tongues and they actually were given languages that they didn't know or if they were speaking in a heavenly language and the Holy Spirit interpreted it into the heart language of everyone who was there. Jesus is real. The subject of the Holy Spirit can be controversial with many views and opinions clouding the conversation. 
In today's message, Pastor Daniel approached the person and works of the Holy Spirit from a biblical point of view. His teaching addressed why the Holy Spirit was gifted to followers of Jesus, where he appears in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, and why it's important for us to learn about him. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to reveal what the Bible has to teach us about the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift is from our Creator and comes with many benefits that we can tap into. The Holy Spirit isn't predictable. He doesn't fit into a box we can create with our limited understanding. However, we can learn a lot about Him and receive with open hands everything He has to give us. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series, Field Notes. Until then, may God bless.